0: .NET Rocks episode 930 with guest Bill Wagner, recorded live Wednesday, November 6th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at t e l e r i k dot com, and by Franklin's net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at GesturePak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Don't
1: cut it no more. Thanks very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Richard Campbell is here. I'm here. And uh, Bill Wagner is here. We're at the Better Software East Conference in Boston one day before we kick off this fabulous road trip.
0: It's a funny road trip, this one.
1: Yeah, it's in three parts. But yep. um, what's interesting is this is sort of the calm before the storm.
0: Yes. You know, the, the the East Coast is the easy leg. It gets crazier from here.
1: Just so people have some idea of the crazy stuff that happens. We're just sort of sitting here at the hackathon, and Richard said he sends me a text. He says, hey, which car did you bring? <laughs> Hoping that it wasn't my Prius. And I yes. said, no, it was the SUV. Good, because about 6,000 pounds of swag just showed up here, and yep. we don't have any way to get it out of
0: here. Yeah. And I, I, I know the RV can carry it, but physically moving what I think is about 600 pounds of swag. Yeah. Into the RV is going to be a challenge. That's crazy. So yep.
1: that's the kind of stuff that just happens. That just happens.
0: Six hundred pounds of swag just show up. A and guy with a pallet showed up. Where do you want And this? dropped it, and then left very quickly. <laughs> oh boy, this is our job, Richard. Kimmel. That's it. It's really funny. All right, interesting problems.
1: Well, let's uh, get going with Better No
0: Framework. Awesome. <laughs> What do you got?
1: Well, today, uh, I thought I would uh, jump into something fun in the JavaScript world, because we're talking about TypeScript. I'm ready. So, Microsoft has an advertising service yes. that you can subscribe to, and, and you can use the SDK to, to support ads in your app. Yeah. So, there's an 8.1 version, and if you go to tinyurl.com slash win81ad... This is a walkthrough on MSDN that shows how to include advertising in a Windows 8.1 app written in HTML5 and JavaScript.
0: Nice. So that would be WinJS?
1: Yeah. Using cool. Microsoft Advertising Services. And if you really want to read up on the Microsoft Advertising SDK, you can do so at tinyurl.com slash sdk It's all there. And, you know, I thought that was cool. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out about TypeScript and uh, Windows 8, but seeing as how 8.1 just came out. Yep. Visual Studio 2013 just came out. Yes. There just isn't a whole bunch of current stuff up there. Um, so this is new. This is current. You know, it, it is using 8.1 and, uh, the, the current version of the SDK.
0: Cool. I love it.
1: So there you go. Now I
0: learn and love it. Awesome. You, who's talking to us? So I grabbed a comment off of show 766. What you're doing the math is way back. That's yeah. from, uh, May of 2012. That's the show we did with Rob Connery. We were talking about CoffeeScript. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, you know, script sort languages the, that compile to, uh, JavaScript.
1: Yeah, sort of a precursor to TypeScript. Or just a, make,
0: you know, different approach uh, to this. And this approach. comment is from Shmooley Inglard. I love Shmooley. He came out to the, uh, uh, the road trip last year yeah. in New York.
1: And came out and had a drink with us. He's a huge fan. Yeah,
0: he's good fun, too. I
1: can't believe we haven't sent him a mug I've never sent
0: him a mug before. So, Shmuley says, Carl asks why you would want a language that compiles down to another language. I did? Yeah, it's a reasonable question. We talk about CoffeeScript to JavaScript. It's one of those hypotheticals. Yeah. It's a meatball. Yeah. Here, discuss. Don't all languages really do that? Uh, Ah. .NET languages compile into il javas yeah. become Java bytecode, and everything becomes assembly in the end that's right but well, it actually becomes microcode inside of the processor if you really if want you to get consider
1: technical. javascript the assembly language of the internet
0: then well that's where he goes he says yeah. who said that he I think it is it really
1: hanselman who th- said it first i think he
0: might have yeah uh, javascript is the assembly language of the web well, well ex- he was
1: the first one i heard said he may have stolen it from someone maybe else. maybe he did we'll have to find out
0: yep but that's Shmuley's point Is yep. that This is not all that unusual It's more of the same And uh, I totally agree And we're going to talk about it some more today Very cool So Shmuley, thanks so much for your uh, comment And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug Just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com Or on any of our mobile apps We've got them for Android, iOS, Windows 8 And Windows Phone 7 and 8 And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. Who'd love to build you an app? Just go to DiatomEnterprises.com.
1: That's right. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release around 40 or more new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. With a wide range of topics, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, everything web, and everything Microsoft. Try site today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And hey, Bill Wagner's here, and he's been through quite a bit. His bio changes uh regularly, and now his bio says that he has spent his entire career in the software industry, spanning both technical and business roles. His technical time is spent between curly braces, primarily with C Sharp. He's the author of the best-selling Effective C Sharp, now in its second edition, and More effective C Sharp. Ah, see what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) His articles have appeared in MSDN Magazine, the C Sharp Developer Center, Visual C Developers Journal, Visual Studio Magazine, ASPNet Pro, .NET Developers Journal, and more. He's written hundreds of technical articles for software developers, actively blogs about technical and business topics, and also is a regional director for Microsoft. Welcome back, Bill.
2: How you doing, Carl and Richard? Uh, good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you guys too. So, uh, no longer with SRT Solutions. We sold the company at the end of August. Congratulations! Uh, it was purchased by Atomic Object, which is a consultancy that now has three offices in Michigan. Excellent. Wow! And yeah. uh, had had a really good cultural fit with our companies, and uh, it was a good time to move away from running the business and go back into uh, a much more technical role and much more of a mentoring. Other technologists.
0: So all of the people from SRT are now part of...
2: Uh... Yes, that is correct. That's they cool. They all went on into Atomic Object, and that's now the Atomic Object Ann Arbor office. That's, that's,
0: that's great oh, news, man. A great, yes. What a great outcome for everybody involved.
2: It really was. I think it was the best thing for everyone.
0: And that's nice. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you and I are hanging out a fair bit on Humanitarian exactly. Toolbox these days.
2: And, and we've got millions of people testing our apps.
0: Yep. Well, and, uh, this this conference has got a big testing group and they have been yeah. hammering away the yeah. listing GitHub on your project on uh on uh the check-in. Now, services. I know you
1: guys are having this little chat here like everybody knows what you're talking about, but bring us up to speed on <laughs> the humanitarian yeah, How box. do you describe it, okay. Bill? Okay.
2: Uh, well, Humanitarian Toolbox is a cooperative effort where we're going to crowdsource development for Applications to make humanitarian relief efforts more successful and more effective. Mm-hmm. So we're building applications that are specifically requested by our partners at various NGOs, non-governmental organizations, yep. the charities that, that you've heard of that do relief work after like the typhoon in the Philippines yes. or right. you know, Hurricane Sandy or you know, Haiti earthquake or events Simple large and small like-
1: everywhere. Simple things like getting people in touch with their loved right. ones. Right, getting people yeah. in touch
2: with their loved ones. Um, the apps we're working on right now, one of them is to help get the volunteers that show up after an event in the field, in front of people, and helping people really in need faster. And that right now they're managing all these volunteers with a whiteboard and clipboards and paper. Yeah. And we're... Writing, you know, the, the elevator pitch is Foursquare for disaster volunteers. Right. It says, you know, I'm, I'm here, I've got EMT training, tell me where yeah. to go. And then you know, the dispatchers will get you in the right place in front of people that need your skills.
1: Yeah, so um, tell me about the number of projects that you have going on and the number okay. of people working on them. And Sure, and right now we have like
2: uh, three projects for the NGOs and our own website is also open source and we're asking for contributions on that as well. Um, the one that I mentioned is the crisis checking app. Mm-hmm. We also have one that's our mobile video training app where what mobile that one does. Right. So if you think about disaster volunteers, you know, you go out in the field and then maybe you don't go again for another six, nine months or a year. Yeah. So you've forgotten how to use the satellite phone. You've forgotten yeah. how to use the field defibrillator or, or whatever equipment is okay. specific to what you do in the field. So on your way to the flight to a disaster, um, disaster zone you can queue up these videos that are refresher trainings for the skills you have wow so you're ready and refreshed and ready to go when you when you come out oh that's great um the third one is a um, volunteer link toolbar so what goes on after disaster site is there's all this information on the web and some of it's really good and some of it is rumors and information and not necessarily correct or yeah. bad news reports an organization called Humanity Road, they have a few volunteers that are constantly monitoring um, government feeds, uh, good news feeds, and are pushing information and resources to remote volunteers. You know, this is that scenario you said, Hey, you know, how do you get in touch with your loved ones? Right. How do you find people? Sure. And the app we're building there is is meant to replace a, a browser toolbar, but has a bunch of links that are curated by these volunteers. Yeah. So... You know, if you want to get, say, the right information on floods in you know, the Appalachians this spring, you know, they have the right FEMA information, the right way to find where the survivors are, the right things that these volunteers that are remote who are working to try to keep communications going have the right and best information instead of anything they find that's the most popular through a search engine search. So it's a very curated way to get resources in front of remote volunteers who then dispatch them to the people in the and field. So how many people have
1: been working on these apps?
2: We've now got about 40 or 50 contributors in different areas on different projects. That's not bad. It is. It, it, it's good for a first year. You know, We've been going to different conferences, holding live events like we do here, getting people to learn about it. Uh, what I'm really excited about is now we're getting some of those people who've been at one of these events... You know they're continuing to contribute after they go home. Right. Know, they're adding new features. They're fixing some of the bugs. They're submitting some of these changes, and they're asking what else they can do. So we're starting to really grow this and have it be a sustainable effort. Which and I you think said is very there are people important. testing them as well. Right. So here and at at Star West, which as you said, this conference is
0: this is is East. This is East. Yeah. Star West That's was in, the one we did in September. Right. So two different a <laughs> blur, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It
2: is. Our the audience is much more in the um, testing professionals than development professionals. Mm. So we've set up a staging site for two of the apps, and we're letting people go after them from a different angle than we did as developers. You know, at StarWest we had um, about 110 bugs logged. You know, we've knocked that list down to about 50 already. Yeah. You know, so we're getting closer to having an app that we can put in front of um, the NGOs to use as a training exercise. And then get ready to deploy for real and really help people. So now
1: does a developer who wants to get involved, do they have to come to one of these events or can they just go to your website and pull something and start writing
2: code? So, no, we're certainly accepting contributions from anybody. You can go to htbox.org and at the bottom of that page you'll see a link to our GitHub site. And from there you can see the active projects that are on GitHub. Uh, You can also contact us via email if you want to work on one of the projects that's in hosted TFS Yeah. because that model's a little different. And if you're used to GitHub, you can just fork the repository. You can look at the issues list, yeah. make some changes, and send us a pull request.
1: So with the issues list, though, there isn't a sort of a centralized uh, work item flow.
2: Well, is the, there, or the is issues there? list is up on GitHub. Yeah. So anybody can look at the issues, read those, and see, you know, oh, here's something I think I can help with. Assign it to yourself and go ahead and oh, start working can, okay, on it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and then if they assign it to themselves, then me or one of the other project leaders will get... A notification that you've done that good so we'll know that you're doing this We so, know you, so forked the repo. You, really,
1: you really don't need to go to an event no no
2: if you're interested you know, check out the website check out the github page if you want to work on one of the projects that's on hosted tfs you know send one of us an email you know build at htbox.org we'll get you listed in the the tfs page because that's got a slightly different um, team model you need to be right. one of the team members to sure. see the repo But we can get you hooked up and we'll be happy to get new information and, and get you started and help you along the way and learn the code base.
0: And there's still a bunch of projects in the hopper. I mean, we were getting new ones in from the typhoon too.
2: Yeah, we've got, we've already got about 30 different backlog requests that we're going through in terms of what do we want to launch next. Yep. And as you said, we're already getting ideas from people who are at the typhoon in the Philippines saying, here's something we need. Here's something that would help us. So cool. We're putting that into the backlog and, Wow. as we find people with the right skills and define the requirements to the point where we can get them launched you know we're certainly we want to farm those out and you know go from the three or four projects we had this year and end up with like 30 or 40 different apps next year and, and do these really projects
1: do need a manager or do they just sort of naturally sort of happen
2: you know it's really nice to have one or two people kind of stewarding the project curating, curating yeah. looking at it and, yeah. and having the information so when others want to help there's somebody you can ask questions of
1: so even if you're not a developer and you want to help, you and You have management absolutely. skills. You can. Oh, absolutely. Jump
2: in. You know, help us work through adding the issues list and the features list. What things need to get done? Wow. Um, one of the projects is run by a, a gentleman. Uh, Chris Little, is a project manager. He's not a developer, but he's managing that project and he's doing a lot of requirements analysis helping understand exactly what has to get implemented and helping to define that into a set of tasks and sending that out to developers. Wow. It's going great. So cool. It is. Well, it really thank is. you guys for
1: doing that. Um, it's a
2: great team. I mean, yeah. uh, Richard and, you know, I have to mention the other people on our board. Uh, Mari Sessions does a right. tremendous amount of operations, just helping us be a real organization. Um, Tony Serma, who's the CTO for Microsoft Disaster Relief. Right. And so he understands... Deploying things in a disaster situation, he's got a lot of experience there. Right. Helping us developers understand how different it is to write, you know, instead of software that somebody uses in their day job sitting in a laptop, it's software somebody's using in a tent when there's no power yep. and, you know, who knows what's to be going that, on.
1: you know, constant checking to see if right. we're down or we're up or right. we're down. Or yeah.
2: Um, you know, and Pascal Schubach uh, is our final board member. What a great guy member. Pascal is. I he met him tremendous things in the community he does he's a lot of work of nature with. that guy he is yeah. and he just runs on pure adrenaline when something yeah. bad happens he's just yeah. um really has a clear mind for how software can really make organizations like the others he works with more effective and of course richard campbell um, yeah. driving force behind a lot of this and yeah and really kick-starting it as well
1: well, in my role in all of this is just to, you know, provide. Well, our role in .NET Rocks, anyway, is to uh, just get the word out. Get the word. And that's out. been
2: huge. You know, yeah. I would say a large number of the contributors we have have heard about it on .NET Rocks, and that's yeah. a great service that you guys have provided. That that really helps get the community and energized behind.
1: Well, we're this. really proud of our listeners that they, they, you know, they, they, they want to make a difference.
2: And I think yeah. that's great. And I'm glad we're given this opportunity to do it. And I just want this to keep getting more successful and. Cool. And, and
1: All right, TypeScript.
2: TypeScript.
0: TypeScript. Yeah. We talked about TypeScript with Chris Sells, I don't know, four or five months ago. I don't think anybody was more excited about TypeScript than Chris Sells. That was amazing. But I think, does Studio 2013 change a bunch of things in TypeScript? It does.
2: So, you know, and I'm going to start by saying I think the the concept that JavaScript is the assembly language of the web. Yeah. Mm-hmm i like to think of it more as JavaScript is the C language for the web. Right. Mm. Because yeah. unlike Assembly, it runs in all these different browsers, right? So you pick JavaScript because it runs in all the different yeah. browsers. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: so TypeScript now in, in 2013, VS 2013 now has built-in support for TypeScript. Instead of downloading extra packages, it's there right out of the box. Nice. Now what will happen if you're in, in Visual Studio 2013, if you go to new, you know, new project and you look for TypeScript... Like the Azure Toolkit, the only template you have is go get the TypeScript libraries. So it doesn't install out of the box. You'll grab them from the web when you want a TypeScript project.
1: Right.
2: And then you'll get the support for TypeScript. And then it's changed a little bit from the way Web Essentials did it in that now the Solution Explorer nodes only show the TypeScript files by default, not the generated JavaScript files. They're still there, Mm -hmm. and you can still open them and look at them and compare the TypeScript to the generated JavaScript, but it's much more of a TypeScript kind of experience. It's meant to be a language. It's not like, you know, it would be like if you were in C Sharp and now I can see this node that says I'm going to generate this IL file for you and and you can see that. It's more trying to keep you in TypeScript more often. That's a big, big addition.
1: As somebody now who spends probably just as much time in JavaScript as in C Sharp, I really find myself wanting to write all the JavaScript stuff in C Sharp. (laughs) I know, I know. Why can't I have a... A JavaScript library that just converts my C sharp to JavaScript because there's so many similarities there.
2: There is so many. Syntactically,
1: uh, they're, uh, syntactically they're in the same tree, almost, right? Almost.
2: Yeah, almost the same. And and this is where I think TypeScript is really really interesting. Is that when I look at you know JavaScript started as this this functional language. You know everything that you do for encapsulation is using functions. Right. And you build a function prototype and you build functions as members of. Mm-hmm. Of, of this other function and, and so on. Yeah, and and
0: I, I have to say, you're making JavaScript sound more planned than I think it actually was. Well, okay, if you there, go there all the is way that. Back. Right,
2: there is that. You know, JavaScript started as this way to talk to, you know, the Java applets that were the way we're really going to program the right. web. Right, yeah, yeah. And and of course, it grew in that because and it the was the whole DOM
0: thing. Just wasn't right. that
2: developed in ten days? Doug Crockford told yeah. me that. Yeah, story. yeah. something crazy yeah. like that. Because it was started as this very simple thing to just, you know, I want to be able to control my JavaScript apps, yep. yeah. or I mean my Java um, applets. And then, you know, we kind of know what happened with that plug-in model, and now we do everything in JavaScript. That's yeah. the only thing that's there, until you get CoffeeScript and Dart, and now TypeScript. Um, and I think, you know, there are some really good ideas in, in JavaScript, you know, like the idea that there's only one way to do something, so you can't, you know, get confused and do it the wrong way.
1: Yeah.
2: Unless they did the wrong thing, like right. to pick... Binary floating point is the only number type. <laughs> yeah. So right. anybody yeah. who's doing anything financial takes every number, multiplies it by 100 so they don't get rounding errors, yeah. and then yeah. divides they it by clear 100. clear off their,
0: their right, fractions.
2: Right. Instead of using decimal floating point, which would have gotten that, yeah. you know, made that simpler for a lot of people. Um, but JavaScript is a simple language there, so it has just this encapsulation concept of, of functions, and that's mm-hmm. it. And as, it, as we're trying to do larger and larger things with it, we want to use other idioms that we've used in other languages. Mm-hmm. You know, the encapsulation we have in the object-oriented languages, like C-sharp that you're mentioning. And I think that's where TypeScript is a is a really interesting thing to do, is that now we have this way to write enterprise-level larger applications using idioms that we know to manage larger
1: software applications better. So this number problem that you were just mentioning is yeah. one of the problems
2: that TypeScript solves. Uh, no, because it it still compiles down to JavaScript, so you still just have the one number type. You don't have. So if have you define an
1: int um, in TypeScript,
2: could you? You Isn't could probably, that going to yeah, be behind the
1: scenes do all the math rounding stuff so that you actually get the int that you? No, wanted. because
2: JavaScript it, it executes as JavaScript, so you're going to use the JavaScript number type. Right, so hmm. you could you could write wrappers around it to hide that from you if you mm-hmm. wanted to. But
0: TypeScript's um, not going to protect
2: you. TypeScript doesn't protect you from what JavaScript does.
1: Yeah, isn't that weird though? So, I mean, I would think that if I would, you know, I'm think that if I have something like TypeScript that's going to help me, right. I, I would expect it to, to clean up the the
2: bad parts of JavaScript. Well, so so one of the other things is, and um, you know, this goes to one of the big goals of TypeScript yeah. is that it compiles yeah. down to Standard JavaScript. Right. And standard JavaScript only has that one number type, and that's your execution engine. No, no,
1: no, I know, but let's say, yeah. let's say you have an int and you do some integer math. Sure. And how you would do that in JavaScript is you would use it, the trick. You use the trick. Okay, so so it, like, you right, would right. insert that into oh. the code okay. that it would compile. So if you
2: were to do that, if you were to make an int type in TypeScript that yeah. did that same trick, right. then yes, that would work. Mm-hmm. Right. Or did the same truncation But by default,
1: does the int...
2: You know, I would have to look at that. I don't think it, it comes with that library. I'd have to look. But that's a good idea. I would hope it would. That's it, awesome. I would, too. It, it, that that sort default. of speaks
0: to the name TypeScript. Isn't this all right. about giving strong typing to JavaScript?
2: It is. And yeah. that's, uh, so that's where it adds a lot of the nice keywords. You know, we have modules, so we can right. hide the names of different things. We have a class concept. Yeah, proper objects. Proper right. objects, which... They compile down to the same JavaScript idiom that uses function prototypes and everything else. Sure. But instead of writing all this crazy JavaScript, it gets a bit complicated. We have this class keyword, right? right, Which creates a class for us. Stuff we Uh, know. The other thing I really like where it shows that it's not really trying to make, to cram C sharp into JavaScript, but trying to act like JavaScript with types is that TypeScript Interface definitions, create interfaces, Mm. which are familiar to us as .NET developers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's different is in TypeScript, if a class type implements all the members of an interface, even if it doesn't declare that it implements that interface, Mm. it can be converted to that interface. It's structural typing, right? So, when you write a class, if you know you're going to implement an interface, you'll probably add. on the declaration to say, hey, I support this interface because then the TypeScript compiler tells you you're missing this method. You need these things mm. in there and it helps you. Mm. But if you're trying to use something as an interface type, as long as the methods are there, it works fine. Yeah. Mm. So you can, you know, define interfaces for like jQuery objects and such to help yeah. with interfacing with JavaScript libraries. And as long as the object that you grab supports the interfaces you said it supports, mm it works just fine. So it gives us a very nice bridge there.
0: So TypeScript doesn't have any problem with any of these fancy JavaScript libraries?
2: No. Um, in fact, there's a great project on um, uh, on GitHub and available through NuGet called Definitely Typed mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. TypeScript definitions for almost every popular JavaScript library that I've looked for. Right. In fact, I wouldn't say almost, except that I know somebody's just made a new JavaScript library and they haven't made the typings yet. <laughs> but anything I've searched for in, de- in the Definitely type project, has shown up. Nice. You know, Angular, jQuery, Knockout, Backbone. You know, it's not it like these
0: definition you know, files are terribly complicated. They just have to be made.
2: It depends on how big the library is. Right. You know, some of the very large libraries out there have a pretty long um, TypeScript definition. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 based on that much work. But you're right. It's not. Really, really hard. And there's maintenance. You have to continue to keep up with the interfaces as these libraries grow.
0: And and every few minutes they change.
2: That's right. Every (laughs) time somebody makes a commit, there's a new thing out there. But it's, you know, so it is a moving target. Um, you know, and that kind of stuff works really nice. Cool. You know, and, um, TypeScript now, uh, the latest versions, version nine adds generics. So you can make generic classes in JavaScript they compile down to type to or in typescript that compile down into javascript
1: hey richard you know what time it is ah
0: uh, must be that happy time again
1: it's time to give away a Telerik dev craft complete collection to a fan whose get type dot name equals fan club member
0: <laughs> is that a property
1: type <laughs> i think so <laughs> yeah but first i need to tell you about Telerik icinium which enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. And I imagine TypeScript works just fine. I bet. The new release of Icinium will allow .NET developers to utilize all of this goodness from within Visual Studio. Nice. And these capabilities include comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI and jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and deployment capabilities, making Icenium a robust end-to-end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icenium, with its new Visual Studio extension, is available on a subscription basis and is now part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. Start a free 30-day trial of Icenium with support at Icenium.com. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M slash DNR. And don't forget to thank Telerik once again for supporting .NET Rocks. Absolutely. So who's <laughs> our winner, Carl? It's Chris Ian Allen.
0: Uh, congratulations, Chris. Yeah. Golf clap for
1: you, sir. Golf clap for Chris Ian Allen. He wins the Teller of Devcraft Complete. Nice. There, we're going to have to give away a Devcraft Ultimate once in a while.
0: Ah, we'll, have to, think? we'll have to talk to the Teller we'll Boys about that. We'll have to talk that. to those boys. Figure it out.
1: And uh, we're also giving away one of my albums, which has been a while. It's a solo album released this September. The great John Schofield plays on it. He plays guitar. He played with Miles Davis, you know. Mm-hmm. All the stories he told us about, Miles. I can't repeat them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's great. You can listen to it at Carl, uh, carlfranklin.com. Uh, download it on iTunes, Amazon MP3, and Nokia Music. And today's winner is Dwight Mobier.
0: Congratulations, Dwight.
1: Yeah. Mulbier.
0: Nice. I think it's the way you pronounce it.
1: And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com. Click on the big Get Free Stuff button answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. And every show, we give away stuff to members. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of stuff.
0: Hey, hey, it is December. It is December. It's coming up any day now. Coming right up. Real soon.
1: And, Bill, you know what's coming. I do. What would you buy? What would
2: I buy? You know, so I... I, I love taking photographs and different things, especially when we're when we're going out to you know, different vacation spots. Yep. And I finally took the plunge a couple of years ago and went digital because I could no, you know. It's
0: just getting hard to buy film now. It's just now. Getting hard to buy film. Yeah. yeah. Sure.
2: And digital, once you get going, is so much cheaper because I can shoot fifty shots and only keep two, and I don't care. Nobody cares. Yeah. Care. yeah this is
0: fine. Shoot so, a thousand.
2: So I only have a couple lenses now,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, with the new camera. So I would blow it all on. Different telephoto lenses.
0: Sigma lenses? Oh, yes. Yeah.
2: I would vote all on different telephoto lenses. <laughs> what, what camera body did you go with? Uh, I've got the, um, the Minolta. Oh, really? So I've got it, um. Only from the mind of Minolta. Yes. Yeah, but so, get some, get some good lenses for nice. that. Nice. So yeah, would you look teleph- at Minolta
0: lenses or, or would you look at Sigma or, uh, these the third parties?
2: Some of, you know, well, I'd look at each. I, I really like the, um, the Sigma does make some beautiful
0: lenses. Yeah, those big and sapphire, yes. the big wide aspect ones. Yes. With the really low f stops. Those mm-hmm. lenses are magical. So,
1: can I ask you a question? Do telephoto lenses sort of attach on top of your initial lenses that mm-hmm. do,
2: that handle your light with your f stop and your, um, and all that no, stuff? No, they replace them. They replace right. them. Right. Now, you can get, uh, what's called a doubler. Yeah. Which sits, behind the lens. Cuz what if you had your favorite
1: it. lens that just takes the perfect picture and mm-hmm. now you just want to zoom? Um
2: you and can you use a double, but often yeah. that changes, changes the things. quality of the picture that comes out okay. because now cuz that favorite lens of yours was engineered for that focal point. Got it. So what you want to do is you want to find the favorite lens that's your favorite telephoto lens, so your favorite wide angle lens. So
1: you would m- most likely have two or three, at least two oh, yeah. different photo yeah. telephoto lenses. Yeah.
2: So like, you know, the standard lens that comes with it is um That adjustable kind of little wide angle, a little telephoto. Yeah. You know, it goes from usually like 15 to 90 or something like that. Wow. And then you usually get something that goes like 110 to 300 or something in that range. And then for the really wide angle, you'll get 15 down to 5. And then you get some really...
0: You know, know, fisheye-type shots. Yeah, fisheye-type shots. But there is a reason for multiple lenses. Mm -hmm. And those real low-F telephotos, I have a friend... Canon guy, mm-hmm. but he's got it's a I think it's a fifteen hundred dollar lens, but mm-hmm. he's taking shots of his kid from the back of the gym yes. and getting face shots with no flash, mm-hmm. just because because right. the camera collects so much light.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. So the they,
1: problem though with the low f stop though is that uh, uh, the, they'll be blurry if you don't if you don't uh, watch out. Yes, right? so you have if to be able to take them the, pretty quick. Yeah, to take them um, quick. Yeah, it's really
2: light, or you have to adjust it again and, and um, yeah. Yeah, so There's you, you definitely life. want to try to get as quick of an exposure as you can on some of those. But yeah.
0: five grand worth of lenses, dude. Yeah, that's a lot of lenses. It would be or just or one really big nice one. lenses,
2: <laughs> one big one. <laughs> yes, it would be a really nice. That'd
0: yeah, be of a lenses. nice lens, yeah. yeah. Okay. No. Wowzers. I'm thinking about generics. Yes. In JavaScript, mm-hmm. link for JavaScript is that where we're going? Oh, well, wow, that would be so cool. There is link for JavaScript. There is,
2: yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to do you know the full link for TypeScript kind of thing. Yeah, it'd be great. Now I don't right. know that I don't think they have the actual keyword comprehension there. No. But you know, a similar similar programming style would certainly work.
0: Yeah. And, that I, and I love the
2: generics. You know, that's there, there's so many things you can kind of see they're faking it already, just like we used to in .NET. Going, yeah, you know, this collection can store different things. Yeah. You know, but we don't get any help there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where TypeScript, you know, and and really provides a a lot of help for developers.
1: Yeah, Yeah. linkjs.codeplex.com. That's been, we Mm -hmm. actually talked about that before, yeah.
0: Pretty cool. Is what makes TypeScript really powerful its integration with Studio then?
2: Sort of. I think its integration with Studio is a byproduct of the language. Right. Okay, so what happens inside Visual Studio now that we've got all this typing information, Mm -hmm. the fact that we have this static typing from all our TypeScript files, our tools can help us. You know, and, and IntelliSense is one way it helps us. Right, right. Um, static analysis of bugs is another way it can help us. Mm-hmm. Um, different warnings to say, you know, you're using this type in an inappropriate manner. This is not supported here. This probably could be a problem. Those are different things that the tools can help us with, right. which really help us be more productive on larger projects.
0: We'll catch those bugs early and often, exactly. rather than. I mean, how much time have we spent chasing around a crazy JavaScript
2: bug? You know, and I'm not sure it's, it's so much the debugging cycle, but it's more the developer cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm, because I'll catch those bugs in pure JavaScript when I run the thing and it doesn't work and, you know, okay, I've got some unit tests around it or whatever and right. I see the thing fail. Okay. I, I typed this name wrong or whatever. Yeah. But I don't even create those bugs when I have static tools that help me.
0: Yeah. You don't get that far. Right. You I don't even, right even get away. that far.
2: I catch them even earlier. So my unit tests are more testing the functionality rather than did I type correctly. Right. You know, and I think that's that's a big productivity gain for developers.
0: In more semantic thinking, less syntactic thinking.
2: Right. You know, and and collisions. You know, if you look at JavaScript by default, everything's global, and yep. we have all these techniques to say, you know, you don't want to make things global by declaring variables in the right way and by mm-hmm. you know putting everything inside functions and closures and all these things. And you know, now we have more tools to do that. We have modules, we have classes, we have, um, you know, export classes versus classes that are internal to a module in TypeScript. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people looking at it to understand these things really protect more against Murphy than Machiavelli. Right.
0: Right. That's yeah. <laughs> a good one, bud. I like well, that.
2: So, so yeah. anytime you look at this stuff, because it compiles down to JavaScript, you can look at the JavaScript stuff and you can do whatever crazy things you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, one demo I did at a, at a user group because somebody asked me, is like, oh yeah, so you made this type in TypeScript. Can I modify the prototype object? Well, yeah. Yeah. I can just, get, you know, my type dot prototype. And I lose all IntelliSense because it's not there anymore. Right. Dot this dot method equals whatever. It's like, yeah, I can still do that. Yeah. Don't. It's a bad <laughs> that idea. That doesn't make it
0: right. Right. But,
2: you know, it's still there. So it's it's protecting us against doing things that we, you know, aren't the normal practice anyway. Mm mm-hmm. So now we've got these these rules that we're trying to follow and I think that codifying those rules in the language makes it the default practice for people. You know whereas otherwise we have you know whether it's Douglas Crawford's book, JavaScript, the Good Parts, yep. or Effective yeah. JavaScript, or something that says, do this stuff. Don't use these other features. Yeah, don't, don't go there. do that. That's just bad.
0: And so TypeScript tends to keep you in, on that sort of line.
2: Right, right. And then it, the, if you look at the JavaScript that it generates, it's following the recommendations of those those references. That's cool. You know, and what the community says is, is good, idiomatic JavaScript.
1: Bill, is there anything TypeScript could do better?
2: Is there anything TypeScript can do better? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of work to still go on with the language. I think it's really only, it, it's a very early stage language. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in fact, even right now at version 0.9, there's a few passages in the spec that are to do. We have to define how this should work. But you know, are you, so in terms
1: of when you, when you use it, is there anything that you're like, gee, I wish that worked better or it, um, worked differently?
2: Like there have you, have are, yeah. you hit
1: any brick walls?
2: I haven't hit any brick walls. I've hit some pain points. Yeah. and that, you know, I would really like it to be able to, I, I'd love a tool that I can just point at JavaScript things and say, will you please generate the TypeScript information for me? Right, um, sure. Instead of making us type that out. You know, that's something that I would love to see come out. And I don't know how easy or hard of a problem that is, you know, but that's definitely one of the pain points. Um, and there's still some things now where there's, Different nodes and comments we write in TypeScript to reference other TypeScript files or to reference and import other type definitions. That feels a little clumsy. Yeah. um, Because it's not syntactically checked, it's just in a comment um, that I'd like to see happen a little bit better. Okay. Um, But overall, there's some things that are just gorgeous. You know, like in Visual Studio 2013 now, when you're debugging an app in the browser that's from TypeScript, and you're using the Visual Studio debuggers, mm. you're debugging in TypeScript.
0: Wow. I was just thinking about that because yeah, of course right. it's running as JavaScript right. inside the browser. So, yeah.
2: Right. So now if you're using the F12 tools, you know, whether it's an IE or the Chrome tools or whichever, you know, sure. Firebug, whatever you're using, you're seeing the JavaScript because that's what's downloaded to the browser. Yeah. But if you're debugging your app in Visual Studio, it keeps track of the mappings between the JavaScript and the TypeScript. That alone is... And you have source-level debugging in TypeScript That's when magic. you're running in Visual Studio. It is just the most amazing magic thing to have this two-way binding back and forth.
1: That alone it's is awesome. you can use it right there. Oh, it's awesome. you sold. 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 Yes. Yeah. So even if it wasn't TypeScript, even
0: if I could do that with JavaScript,
2: <laughs> I would still do that. <laughs> but you can debug your JavaScript in Visual Studio now.
0: So when does the JavaScript get, actually get generated?
2: So every time you save the TypeScript file, right. or you do a build, because um, you know, build will save all your files, yep. it will generate the JavaScript. Okay. And and then you can see what, what gets written there.
0: And you should never alter that, I imagine. Or what happens if you do?
2: It's just going to get overwritten.
0: Oh, okay. I, so I it's just going to over- get clobbered. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah don't touch that. It's just going to get clobbered. Don't you don't it. own it.
2: You know, and in fact, this is one of the, you know, Carl mentioned a little bit earlier, are there things that you'd still like to see a little bit better? This is where the tooling support isn't quite perfect yet. Mm, yeah. You know, if I have TypeScript bugs and I go into another, you know, so I got the red squigglies over parts of my code and I go fix some of those and save it. Sure. It doesn't necessarily pick them up immediately.
0: Wow. Right, right. So
2: sometimes I'm still seeing these red squiggles and everything works and it compiles. Right. But I'll need to redo a build to get it to clean up the just the the visual look and the IDE. Yeah. So the background compiler
0: is still struggling yeah. a little.
2: Yeah, but it's getting there. It, it keeps getting better every time. There's a new new set of bits coming out.
0: This is this is this the third set of bits they put out for TypeScript so far as of Studio 2013?
2: No, there's been more than that. More, okay. Um,
0: so it has been regularly revved.
2: It's been regularly revved. You know, and it it is an open source project, so you can grab as
0: the up to date source.
2: bits as you want. Sure. You know? And uh, it's been developed totally in the open, which is really nice. So you can kind of watch how things are growing.
0: It's interesting you see more and more open source projects coming out of Microsoft like this.
2: I. I do like this. I like the model that they have, you know, and, and they're very open about what requests they are and aren't taking and why. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been requests to say, hey, why don't you do this? And the team has responded saying, you know, that isn't in keeping with what we're seeing in the draft for the next version of JavaScript, so we don't want to put that in TypeScript because that would make it harder for us to keep working with newer versions of JavaScript. Right. So we're not going to do Which clearly go that is direction. a
0: priority is just keep right. up with JavaScript right. changes. Right.
2: So, so there's some, some give and take in terms of what we're going to add, mm-hmm. what the team is going to add to TypeScript in terms of functionality and how that's going to play with the evolving JavaScript language.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think about JavaScript as an evolving language too.
2: Oh, it is. And it, yeah, the, ECMAScript six, I think is the next round yeah, they're, yeah. they're talking about in draft, in draft form now. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy.
1: I, I really wish the ECMA people and the DOM people would talk to each other more though. They really don't yes. talk. They're two completely separate organizations, there's, and they don't talk. Yeah,
2: and, and every browser maker still wants to innovate somehow and yeah. do some extensions Wouldn't or something. Wouldn't it just be things?
1: great if they would just do work on one thing together, just like one <laughs> the next the next version together? Wouldn't that just be awesome? Now you just talk crazy, <laughs> talk, to hey, HTML, that's crazy talk. That's crazy That's just crazy. HTML, the DOM, and JavaScript were all just sort of like one thing, you know.
2: I think there's some stuff on a whiteboard, but I doubt it'll ever get implemented.
0: <laughs> But it, yeah, it is an interesting challenge, it'd be, yeah. and it, it'd be great if Ecma revs. Presumably yes. they will, yes. but then we have to wait for the browser companies to actually implement, to implement right? all
2: that, and to make that work, and, and
0: however software. way they choose to implement it, and right. wh- however those splits come down, you know. Right. I mean, I, I guess I wonder. I don't know if you've ever run across this. You know, chunk of of generated JavaScript from TypeScript runs differently on one browser than another.
2: You know, I. I I personally have not seen that. I have right. seen bugs that have been addressed where that happened in earlier versions. Right. You know, that's, that's clearly one of the big things they have to try to get right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to generate that very idiomatic JavaScript is, is the main goal right. there. Um, and, and, it would not surprise me that if you hit the right edge cases somewhere, that I'm sure there's still some of that around. Right? Oh, for there's sure. It's still a .9 release. Um, but it, in general, in a lot of the things that I've, I've dealt with. I haven't had that problem that
1: much. You, you mentioned that you could define your own types, right? And right. Your own prototypes. Of course. So you can be using jQuery. Yep. You can be yep. using whatever.
2: Yeah. And again, yeah. from jQuery, Angular, Knockout, Angular, all of knockout, those. There's that yeah. Definitely Typed project that has TypeScript typings for you.
1: So you're going to have the same issue. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to yep. have to make sure that the JavaScript that you generate yes. is going to work. Yep.
2: Yeah. So else. yeah, you still have to do that. It, it doesn't free you from that. Right. Um, I think you have a team that's that's really smart that's making it harder for you to write TypeScript that's gonna generate JavaScript that behaves very differently in different mm-hmm. browsers, but I I'm sure it's still possible. Right.
0: Yeah, but, but I yeah, I don't envy those guys. No. I guess they've that's got to a put, tough problem. They've gotta keep their eyes on the browsers primarily. Yes. You know, I, yeah. I mean it's all well and fine to keep an eye on what's happening with ECMA just from a directional point of view. But anything that comes down to the implementation in the browser well, is gonna matter. Right. But I mean bloody Chrome and Revs. Every week or two? Yes. Like, that is a constant And nobody concern.
2: knows. It
0: just sort of happens. Yes.
2: yes. Firefox, well, it revs reasonably often as well, you know, and they're, and they're constantly pushing these things down.
0: Yeah. And it, I think we have, it'll break. One of these days, something's oh, yeah. going to break. Oh, yeah. Right? Something
2: is going to break. There's no doubt about it, right? I mean, that's that's just the nature of this this platform.
0: And, right? and just because that browser revved or that, ver, you know, the, mm-hmm. that browser's changed these rules doesn't so, I mean you can't, you still have to support the old ones, too. Right. I I just wonder if we're going to get
2: mired at some point. Yeah, and that one that's a good and interesting question. Yes. And this is where I think tools, whether it be TypeScript or CoffeeScript or Dart or any of these things, are probably going to help us the most because...
0: Because they do create an abstraction.
2: They do create an abstraction, and then we're not doing quite as many cute things in JavaScript and getting edge cases in JavaScript tests. And somebody, you know, and a dedicated team for any of those languages is trying to make that transparent to us as much as possible.
0: But it also speaks to an idea of, you know, you're, you're writing in a sort of macro language here. Mm-hmm. So new browsers come out, you install the latest version of TypeScript and just compile your app again. Right. And you're actually spitting out different code, even though right. your code didn't change. Right. It's mm-hmm. the underlying code that's changing. Right. Yeah. It's a, then- it makes you think yeah. about the framework at another level again. right? It does. You know, the CLR at another level. Right.
2: Again. It's the same thing like in .NET land, if you, know, you didn't change your code, but there's a new CLR, yeah, there's a new JIT out there, sure. yeah. it's going to be generating different machine The
0: IL the is different. Yeah. The
2: IL is different. Well, the IL would be the same, but it's yeah. going to JIT differently.
0: The JIT will different. And be if good. you
2: get a new C Sharp compiler, a new VB compiler, you may get different IL. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's... That's that same kind of thing. Our tools, our platforms change. But
1: then again, you may not.
0: You may not. <laughs> you don't really <laughs> know. Hello <Have you, laughs> world. You know. Have you had a yeah. chance to play with Dart or or CoffeeScript? Do you compare Very them little. At all?
2: Yeah. Um, not that much. I haven't done a lot with Dart. I've done a little bit with Coffee CoffeeScript. Um, I think CoffeeScript is closer to JavaScript in some ways. Yeah. You know, and and I like it. Mm. Um, the only serious problem we had with CoffeeScript was on one project where we had that guy.
1: You know that one guy <laughs> yeah. who says.
2: White space should be tabs, not spaces. Uh, oh. It wasn't Connery, was it? No. But it, was, it was that guy. And in CoffeeScript, the character you choose for your white space matters. Yes. Oh, wow. And white space is significant. Yeah. So that guy broke everything oh. when he checked something in because this, this there were, you know, he it looked like it was valid and it was tabs and it wasn't in right. right. scoping rule. You know, it's like, don't do this. But yeah, that's why I like it. I doing? don't care.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's it's um, all, all and fine except for the fact that it doesn't work, right?
2: And um, <laughs> and Dart Dart's insight. interesting. <laughs> I think Dart's got work. some neat qualities to it as well. Um, I know it less, mm-hmm. and I've had a couple people tell me they're they're not super thrilled with the syntax of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and but I can't really speak to that. I'm not by no means a Dart expert. I've only but do you see the
0: motivation bit. behind this sort of? Diversity of web language about protecting us from JavaScript is that really the goal?
2: I think it depends, and I think there's multiple goals, mm. right? So if you look at Dart, because they've now got a version of Chrome that runs Dart natively instead right. of compiling it to JavaScript, which is very interesting. Yes, it wouldn't surprise me to see Microsoft do a version of IE that ran TypeScript natively. Yeah, yeah, if it could do, Especially if it could do it more efficiently.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, i never going to have anything running CoffeeScript natively. Those guys are doomed.
2: Right. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm so, sorry. I have no be, idea what I'm i do talking about. I have no idea. <laughs> but, but I think there's, there's multiple reasons there. And I think when you look at it, you see, and some of this gets to, to language design. You talked about JavaScript's history. Yeah. If you look at the language's history and what it was built for. Yeah. Yeah. And when it outgrows what it was built for, you need something else. Yes. You know, like C was meant to be a portable assembly language. Yeah. Which and I once we
0: never built, really delivered on.
2: Right. Well, 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 it was a lot closer than assembler. Yeah, right. well that doubt. But then once it gets big enough, we need these idioms that come from C Yeah, see, yeah. but right. yeah, here's
1: the, isn't the problem with C the same thing that happens with everything? You have C, which the language itself is portable. Sure. And then everybody builds libraries that, that are ours? specific to yes. hardware. Sure. Of
2: course, of course. Just like assembler,
1: right? Yeah. Yes.
2: You know, and then you know, you look at JavaScript, which started as this small functional language to do scripting stuff in a browser, and now we're building large HTML five applications with it. Yeah. yeah. That's not what it was designed for, so we're looking for something that solves the problems we're trying to solve now in a more efficient way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and, and and I think a lot of it is. But this, the, is
0: this is also a disease of our own making that we tend to just want to make something new.
2: Nah, uh, n- n- yes and no, and and here's here's where I'm saying no. You know, well, so first of all, yes, because we're technology. You know, everything <laughs> everything is new. It's like cool.
0: Yeah, right? new stuff is
1: good. New stuff
2: is good. If you you know. If Shiny. It was, if it was say, a, yes,
1: that's true, but it may not be to the it's point.
2: It's not dis- to the point, in that we're in, one of the things that we try to do with languages is there, there's a great paper that I think, um, I'm forgetting the site now, we'll have to get it and put it in the show notes. Sure. Um, that says, design patterns are what we use when our language doesn't support what we want to do.
0: Huh. Interesting.
2: Right? So, you know, if I go back a little bit, you could see people pull out the Gang of Four book, and there's the visitor pattern. Right. Well, how do you do the visitor pattern in C# three or later? Right. It's
1: not inherently you don't obvious. need to well right.
2: you don't need to anymore because it's just an iterator method. We have right. language support to do that in link, right So I don't need to implement the visitor pattern, right right So if you look at JavaScript right now, how do you do a class in JavaScript? You create a closure, you have function members, you have right. all this stuff. So we have this pattern because what I want to declare a type isn't supported, right So I have to do something different. So these, these other languages are coming up with syntax to represent these concepts that JavaScript doesn't natively have, mm-hmm. where we have patterns that we use to do the things we want to do because JavaScript doesn't support them, them natively. So then that's one way to do it.
0: That's cool. Right. And I, that's and I great think that's, thinking, Bill. I, I really appreciate that. It's, it's not yep. original.
2: <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's, I think, what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You think we'll ever see...
1: C Sharp to JavaScript compiler. I. I mean, you know, I don't let's, know. let's say a I, very I stripped down version right. of C Sharp um, without the .NET framework libraries in there.
2: I. I. It's possible, but I doubt it. And I think that's because there's some there there's some very interesting difficult things in C Sharp to do in a JavaScript type environment.
1: But you wouldn't do them in JavaScript anyway. What I'm saying is, you know, right. you wouldn't do any of that bit twiddling, binary weird stuff. Uh, in-
2: not, not even that stuff. I mean, some of the method overload resolutions. You know, you, you introduce things like extension methods and, yeah, mm-hmm. and all that metadata, and you know, the 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 chapter on method overload resolution rules in the mm-hmm. C# spec is now pretty darn long, right? Because there's a lot of places to look. You know, you've yeah. got types, you've got interfaces, you've got extension methods, you've got you know, yes. maybe it's, there's dynamic flowing around someplace that you have to deal with. There's a lot of different places to look for methods. Mm. You know, in this class, it's base classes, it's interface types, and so on. So to pick the right method is is, is a lengthy process. Yeah. And I don't in, know how you how in you that In JavaScript, you think
1: that would just generate too much code that would take too long? I think that good, could yeah. be
2: tough. You've got parts of the C-sharp language that are pattern-based now, like link or async support with async and await.
1: Well, we already have C-sharp. I mean, I'm sorry, we yes. already have linked two, right, at right. least two Link JavaScript libraries. Right.
0: I mean, you you meant Link. There was also the reactive link JS. I right? LinkJS?
1: Yeah. Link, there's LinkJS, yes. there's JSLink, right. both at CodePlex. And, and then, then there's There's a, reactive, reactive, reactive ones. One. Yeah, so I mean,
2: you know, and, and things are You know, possible. those have a lot of the libraries, but I don't know that it has the keyword support Right. from the compilation yeah. generation. And I think that's the part that could be tough.
1: Well, you know, TypeScript is, I would say
2: halfway there maybe. it could be yeah yeah you maybe know? that's where it's going i don't know i certainly anders hope so. is a lot smarter than i am so
0: anders is a lot smarter than most people yeah he's certainly smarter
2: he than is. me yes and you know maybe he is going in that direction and uh, personally, i think that'd be incredibly awesome
1: yeah i do think right? i
2: mean yeah. you know we're sitting here on a day when i can now in ways I couldn't before. We've now got that that new partnership with Xamarin um, and Microsoft. I can write right. C sharp for the iPhone. Yeah, right. I'd love to write C for the browser too. Sure, it'd be awesome. Yeah,
1: and you know, to, to just be able to keep adding all that stuff that's currently in .NET four 5 yes. In there, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's,
2: there's, a there. there's a lot of stuff. Amazing. There's a lot of goodness there, that. and I and I don't think they're done there either. I, I am sure there will be future releases of both VB and C-sharp and F-sharp as well. Sure. Yeah. new features there, too. Well, it's, uh, yeah,
1: we're just getting started with JavaScript. Seriously, it's got a big there's future. A, there's
2: a lot there. It's, well, the web is everywhere, right? Yeah. We, we, we need to be able to program that in ways yeah. we haven't been able to in it ain't the past, going away. past times. Bill, no. thanks very much. Well, thank you guys for inviting me. It's great to talk about Humanitarian Toolbox and what we're doing there and
1: Wow. Exciting nice new stuff
2: with TypeScript and where the .NET framework is going is a lot of fun.
1: We'll catch up with you in a month or two.
2: Absolutely. Alright.
1: We'll see you next time. Good God, have a nice